So if you were ignorant enough to be a Harry Potter fan, that would be your house, Hufflepuff. <laughs> the one with the... Uh... The skunk. It's a badger. <laughs> but um, and a skunk works too because yeah, I mean, everybody thinks Hufflepuff. Just kidding. There is a lot of hate for Hufflepuff in the fandom. I don't get that. I really don't. The hate for Hufflepuff or all of it? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, we found a way to uh, classify ourselves that wasn't race, religion, or class. So we just kind of ran with it. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Boobies, Bits, and Booty, an anthology of feminine conversations. This evening, I've got the darling bottom Lyra Gomez with me, (laughs) (laughs) among a myriad of other interesting factlets. This bitch is the co-hostess of Pines and Propaganda. Yes. And some tree productions own antiquity of comics. Yes. And that's actually why I've got you here is because you are our resident comic book aficionado. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So we're going to talk a little bit today about Wonder Women. And we're actually going to start with Wonder Woman, the fictional character from the DC comics, which is your area. (laughs) Yeah. 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 I love I, I have to say first. Just before we start, I love Wonder Woman because uh, like her whole origin is deeply, deeply tied with Greek mythology. And I love Greek mythology. And uh, she fights Greek monsters at some point, doesn't she? Yeah, I mean, she like, well, she is a descendant of the Greek gods themselves. Well, here's a question. She was not born, though. She was created, right? So Correct. how could she be a descendant of anybody? Well, let's start off. Before we get into her origin, I want to talk about the creator just a wee bit. I know this is a podcast about talking about women in particular, but the creator was a man. But it is, it is important to contextualize her story. And uh, so I'm only just going to cover the basics of him. And that's a separate story. But he was created, or she was created by this guy who was a psychologist named William Marston. And he invented the lie detector with his wife. And essentially, this man really liked the fuck. <laughs> <laughs> like, he always wanted sex. Like, but how is that different from any other man? But he, uh, he was cool about it. Okay. <laughs> like uh, he, w- oh, he actually made Wonder Woman uh, as sort of a symbol of by combining the women's suffrage movement, which he was living through at the time, with because he saw uh, like this was around like the 30s and 40s was and because Wonder Woman was made in 1942. Right? Uh, Didn't she fight like the Axis powers yes, initially? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Every comic book character fought Hitler at one point or another. <laughs> yes, that's true. It, and uh, Superman is actually vaguely, vaguly Jewish, isn't he? Isn't he uh, yes, he was, he, was, he was like his whole origin. Well, he was made by two Jewish comic creators and his look is very Jewish and it was very important at the time because old timey racism is fucking weird. <laughs> like, like, the, like the concept of who is white now is not the same as who like back in like the uh, the thirties and forties because like Jewish people, Italians, they would uh, a Polish people, they weren't technically white. Neither were Irish people. Like it was, it was a very specific type of person who was white. And- well, whiteness has always fluctuated because it's not a real fucking thing, and it's right. just meant to determine class and not your actual race. Right. So with him, he he was inspired by the women's suffrage. Uh, uh, movement and he was actually pro birth control which in the 30s and 40s was just obscene he was in a polyamorous relationship which was even more obscene for the time hot uh, and he was really into bondage and he loved centerfold stuff actually like he, in his poly <laughs> in his polyamorous relationship uh, the mistress of the couple uh, she was known to wear bracelets and wear maids outfit all the time Okay. Uh, and like you know, those bracelets those happen bracelets to be something. Yeah. happen to be passed on and model like used 
for Wonder Woman later on. So now that we've talked about William and him wanting to get his dick wet always, <laughs> let's jump ahead to talk about Wonder Woman and her origin itself. So she debuts, like I said, 1942 in All-Star Comics number eight. Now, the reason why it wasn't Wonder Woman number one is because back in the day, and I, I've touched on this on Antiquity of Comics, it was a big overhead cost to make comic books. Okay. So you would have like three or four or even more stories just jammed into one big comic book and they'd be short stories. If it caught on, it would get another issue in another big compact thing. And then eventually if that story was selling well enough, it would get its own title. So they kind of had to like test the characters. Yes, this was like a focus test of just like, okay, so here's this. And it was also kind of a nice thing at the time where it's like, okay, well, I don't know really what kind of stories I like. I just want to kind of get exposure to a bunch. You could just go ahead, pick up whatever comic you want and just go through and have five, six different stories and enjoy yourself. And I it, didn't know that. Yeah, it was it's a it was a fun I think that's a model we need to bring back as a matter of fact cuz like I love solo titles, don't get me wrong, but I mean I just like the the idea of having the exposure to multiple stories at once. But I digress. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, so in this first appearance, is she already a part of the Justice League? The Justice League didn't exist yet. Okay. Yes. Uh the Justice League came about much later actually so in when she debuts uh, like the general lore because i'm gonna go by the general lore because when you have a character who's as old as wonder woman from the like stories being told since the 40s you're gonna have tellings and retellings and retellings of retellings so the general lore is that princess diana she is of themiscira which is an amazonian island that is its own sovereign state of purely just Amazonian women and Greek Amazonian women. And they just have banished men from their island and they just wish to live in peace. And they believe that the true way of reaching peace is to uh, get rid of men because man's were or get rid of, get them out of power because you know men are terrible with power we've seen what they've done yup <laughs> <laughs> can't say they're wrong <laughs> she is the daughter of queen hippolyta and she was born by her mother making a baby out of clay and the goddess hera bestowing life to that baby See, that's really interesting to me because I'm mostly familiar with Wonder Woman in context of the Justice League, particularly yes. whatever was being aired in the 90s. Yeah. Bruce so, Tim. <laughs> Sorry. So the fact that she got like fashioned out of clay. Yes. As opposed to being born, because plenty of the members of the Justice League have parents that we can like identify and like pick mm -hmm. out of a lineup or at least a list of names. The fact that she is created as opposed to being born, I think that's really interesting. Yeah, and it really helps tie her into the sort of like weirdness that is Greek mythology. Yeah. But like more importantly, it symbolizes that she was conceived not of men at all. Like she has two mothers. Yeah. So men are not yeah. involved in this at all. <laughs> and she's the first and only Amazon to be born of that sort of way where it, it, it's just like even down to her roots, she is women empowerment and just a symbol of we don't need a man. <laughs> right, right. No, the, I actually didn't even think of it so literally. <laughs> mm -hmm. So because growing up on Themyscira, uh, an island with no men, she doesn't know men growing up her entire life. And she's only told of like their horrors and atrocities that they kind of commit. And so she, that kind of helps shape her worldview a bit. And she like her, she has a strong sense of justice. If anything, like she has a massive heart, strong sense of justice and a will of iron. And those are three things that just, I think make some like make her a great leader and a great figure. Her whole goal is to, effectively try and end wars and end the suffering of mankind. But she also understands that you're going to have to, you know, punch a 
Nazi. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I think at this point we all understand that if we're going to get anywhere, we have to punch a couple Nazis. Oh, for sure. For sure. (laughs) Maybe more than a couple. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe all of them. Yeah. When, when, uh, side note, when people say Nazi punks can fuck off, I think regular Nazis can fuck off too. <laughs> yeah, not just the Nazi punks, not, not but just also the punks. fuck off Nazi punks. <laughs> yes. So she grows up and she learns uh, all sorts of different things. She learns scholarly pursuits and she learns how to be a leader from her mother. She also learns martial arts and she is a master of hand-to-hand combat. I mean, like, everybody talks about how great Batman is at hand-to-hand combat, and he's, I'm not going to say, like, who's better or whatever, but no, like, Wonder Woman's right up there in terms of martial arts. Like, she's basically, like, if you took Batman's skill and Superman's strength and just slapped them together, that's who you have in Wonder Woman. And a lot of times, she's actually way more effective than either of those two, even though they kind of get all the glory. Right. She also has the strength on par with gods. She possesses the gift of flight. She has the heart of a warrior and the wisdom of a leader. And she possesses several pieces of equipment, including her lasso of truth, which ties back to the creator who, one, loved bondage. So she tied people (laughs) up. And two, invented the lie detector. (laughs) Right, right. She's compelled to tell the truth. She has a invisible jet because... Invisible jets are fucking awesome. Yeah. And why wouldn't you want one? Even though you can fly. I mean, like, well, might as well have an invisible jet. Yeah. You don't want to do all the work all the time. Right. And then, of course, she possesses her wrist bracelets. Now, these things have their own sort of lore. Okay. And there's all sorts of, like, multiple different tellings. So I don't want to go too much into that. But basically, like, one, this this does tie back to the bondage aspect of William because in the comics, especially the early comics, if you could bind those two, her wrist bracelets together, she would lose all her strength and it'd be like a, Oh no, I'm all tied up situation. You oh know? Like, God. I mean, I have, I have I mean, like a little wrist and thumb binder that keep me that way. But um, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, like, and this is the thing, like I, I, it, it was pretty cheesecake. I get it. I get right. it. I'm not going to try and justify it or anything like that. It, it was cheesecake. In the comics, they have explained it in other ways, too. Like, I mean, she uses them all the time to deflect bullets and what have you. But they've also been called several different things. Like, most commonly, the bracelets of submission. Ooh. <laughs> because in the comics, there was a brief time where the Amazonians were enslaved by Hercules. Oh, and, fuck that guy. Yeah, fuck him. And they, they, like, this is actually what I do love about DC Comics is that they don't make Hercules out to be a good guy. Like, Sweet. <laughs> yeah, he is. He's a real piece of shit and he gets killed by Diana's mother. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> like you, when you get fucking slaughtered by the fucking queen of the Amazons and then your head is put on a fucking pike, like. Right. Wait, I have a question. Yes. I was always under the impression that a common theme for Wonder Woman was that she frees herself from any kind of like peril or situation. Like she's like the anti-damsel in distress. Yes. But so then what's the deal with the, with the with the bracelet? She can't get out of that kind of bondage herself? Like why does she wear them or or they, like they, so they're like the the bracelets of submission are meant as a reminder. And, and like in some stories they're used as like a, okay, well, this is how we control somebody if they try to get out of control. And like, this is just part of being an Amazon, uh, Amazonian society. And then there's other ones where it's like, this is just a, a reminder of where we came from and a reminder of us breaking free of men's rule. Mm, I see. Okay. That makes sense to me. So th- in a nutshell, that's Wonder Woman. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that is quite the nutshell. I didn't realize that it ran that deep into the Greek mythology part. Because like I said, I'm really familiar with whatever. Well, I shouldn't even say really familiar. I saw whatever was airing in the 90s. Yes. And I don't know. To me, Wonder Woman was always just like 
she was like the badass and she was also super hot. And so yes. I wanted to be yes. Wonder Woman like everybody else. I didn't yes. realize that she ran that deep. So I appreciate that background. Mm-hmm. I mean, like she's like Xena, but like better. <laughs> not, and that's not a diss on Xena. I love Xena. Right. I mean, I think I think I mean, most, yeah. most people love Xena. And if you don't love Xena, it's just because you haven't seen Xena. <laughs> right. I mean, Lucy I mean, Lawless, those quads. Oh, my God. Just crush my head like a watermelon. <laughs> right. She should crush my head, too. I would gladly go that if, way. If you're afraid of Xena, does that make you xenophobic? Get out. <laughs> and that's the episode. Bye. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for that primer on Wonder Woman. That brings me to my next question for you. And I have answers to this question, too. Yes. Who would you consider to be a real life or a modern day Wonder Woman? I have two. One is real and another is fictional. But I have two. Okay. As well. Well, well, let's just ping pong. You can can go first since you're the guest. Tell me about your first Wonder Woman. Both of mine are real, though. Okay. So I'm actually going to start with Martha P. Johnson. Now, do you know what the P stands for? I don't. So whenever she was asked about her gender, she would just say, pay it no mind. So the P stands for pay it no mind. Oh, I fucking love that. Yes. So uh, she was born in 1945. Excuse me. Wow. Oh, oh God. It's the champagne that I just keep feeding you. (laughs) Every time without fail, I always get like the champagne burps coming by you. (laughs) So Martha, pay it no mind, Johnson, born 1945, died in 1992, rest her soul, was a black trans woman who was one of, if not the most important figure behind the Stonewall uh, rebellion. I'm not going to call it a riot. It's a rebellion because one, Martha's a fucking revolutionary in my book. And two, to say that like our community was rioting when the cops just fucking started shit and then they got hit. Like, no, like, no, we're, we were just not going to get hit anymore. That was basically the community saying, fuck off. So she basically was one of the driving forces behind the Stonewall Inn when they started allowing other people into the club, not just gay men. They were allowing women. And at the time, the term was drag queen, but that's not exactly like those are two separate things. Right. And she Uh, was one of the first people arrested in the raids and she helped organize pushback against the police who were terrorizing the gay community at the time. And she, along with Sylvia Rivera established the, and now the, some of the terminology here isn't exactly up to date, but this is like, the 60s and 70s so like everything 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 changed yeah yeah. so they established star which is the street transvestite action revolutionaries Mm. and this is why i call her a revolutionary like they straight up are revolutionaries (laughs) and they basically like they're a group that basically was supporting transgender youth and helping combat homelessness in the trans community And they participated a lot in direct action and protecting folks. And she unfortunately was murdered on July 6, 1992 at the age of 46. And her case by the NYPD was initially considered a suicide, but then it was reopened later. And that's where we are today. It's still an unsolved murder. That's, Okay, the fact that it's unsolved is just a disgrace. Yes. I mean, I can't pull the exact numbers. And I think I mentioned this on a previous episode, but black trans women are more likely to get murdered than anybody. Literally any other group. Yeah, it's it's. But I guess I guess if we're talking early 90s, of course, the cops didn't look that deep into it and initially ruled it a suicide. I mean, yeah. 
we know where their priorities are and always have been. <laughs> right. It's kind of like when you see, like when people ask, well, how come the, why do you think the, the cops are racist? It's like, well, it's the same reason why you never see Peter Parker and Spider-Man in the same place together. Because <laughs> it's like, <laughs> that's why they don't break up like clan rallies. Right. <laughs> right. I mean, <laughs> I, my, I mean, my brother is a police officer, so I shouldn't finish that thought, but just for the... I'm sorry. No, it's okay. You don't need to be sorry. I, we all know the truth. We do. Like, okay. Sorry. Before I before I just start shitting on cops. Segway, for, yeah. right. Segway. No, you've got another opportunity with my first Wonder Woman, because I also picked a black tra- trans woman as one of my Wonder Women. Um... Andrea Jenkins. Oh, still alive. Um, still, still rocking it in Minneapolis. So Andrea Jenkins. Yes. She is the first openly transgender woman of color to be elected to an actual like office. She's on the city council in, uh, Minneapolis. Um, so the first, the first, openly transgender woman of color elected to office in the U S she's from Chicago. So she's not from Minnesota, but now she's in Minnesota. And this is just Um, my personal opinion. Yeah. If you, if you hit Chicago, if you hit Milwaukee, if you hit the Minneapolis, St. Paul area, Fargo and Gary, yes, (laughs) Gary, Gary, Indiana, or anywhere, if you can name a place in Iowa, that's actual real America. Yes. Like, yeah, the coasts are not real America. That's like bizarro land. Right. That's like, that's the people with money. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Exactly. That's why to me, she's, she's a Wonder Woman because it is so hard to get anything accepted in the American Midwest, anything that's not white bread, German Lutheran or Irish Catholic or, you know, any, anything that's different. Right. Like even, I've even seen people harassed on like the TMJ4 comment section because they have colored hair and that makes them mentally unstable. Like the fact that she could achieve this where she did and when she did, which I believe she got elected back in 2018. Yeah. Which even though, you know, Laverne Cox, she's very, she's very big um, yes. right now. Even though, and like, not because absolutely drag queens and transgender individuals are completely different. But like the rise of things like RuPaul's Drag Race yeah. has like made alternate alternative identities, heavy, heavy air quotes, more acceptable and palatable to the, again, heavy air quotes, average American. Right, right, I, right. I think it's such a feat. And she did this little by little, like she chipped away starting in her undergraduate career, getting mm-hmm. into positions where she can meet people who can help her rise and help her gain power and momentum to do the things that she wants to do. And I just think that's remarkable. But here's where you can go ahead and shit on the cops a little bit more because I don't actually agree with everything she's ever said or done. After the most recent resurgence of the Black Lives Matter movement, because of course this goes back to 2016. Yeah. Um, but after George Floyd, yes, she initially came out very much in support of defunding the police in Minneapolis. And like that was a big thing, the police getting defunded in Minneapolis, that whole that whole deal. But she backpedaled. And so that she didn't care so much about them getting defunded. She cared more about money being put into like, you know, other social resources like schools, stuff like that. And I think I think wavering on that isn't something that sits great with me because I'm very much a defund the police person. Mm-hmm. And I'm also a very much of be a person of a word like change, of course, is necessary. Growth is necessary. So people's opinion change. But the time frame for me, I, I guess. <sighs> It's one of those things where I think it is political cowardice, but it's also political expediency on her part because the ultimate goal of defund the police is twofold. One, to reduce the mass amount of power that police currently have and abuse. And two, to redistribute those funds that we use. Like, for example, Milwaukee spends 
literally like half of our budget on the police force and we can reallocate that to better deal with a lot of the situations. And like, and this is something like as much as I am against the police and I stay at, say I am like, they're also kind of put into an impossible position where they have to deal with situations they're not trained for a specialist would be more like, uh, acceptable in like like a police should not be called for a mental health breakdown no no absolutely like they, not. they they are not trained for that that shouldn't be in their responsibility to deal with because that's like that's bringing a hammer to fucking do open heart surgery like that that's it's it doesn't make sense to me so I, I think like reallocating those funds is really what the ultimate goal is and she did express that so I do want to give her credit in that sense but like i think just she backed away from the language of defund the police because it's not the most popular thing right now right and obviously her position on the police is not all that she is right she's you know she's also an activist and an advocate um she's an educator she's a poet she's all of these things but she's I, a bitch. She's a lover. <laughs> yes. She's the Madonna and the whore. She's everything. <laughs> she is everything. Andrea Jenkins is everything. Um, but that is to say that when you are looking out for the Wonder Women in the room or in the time, they don't have to be everything that you imagine them to be, to be, you yes. know, these wonderful beacons. And you know, as a matter of fact, back in June of this year, 2020, Queerty actually called her one of the 50, um, and I'm just going to like read this verbatim, one of the 50 heroes leading the nation toward equality, acceptance, and dignity for all people. And dignity is something we hardly ever talk about when we talk about equality and acceptance. Right. Like we... And I hate the word tolerance, but that's the word that gets used the most. And then and then acceptance comes into play. And even that is too passive. Right. Um, but honoring the dignity of somebody, that is, I think, something of note. I agree. I really think, like, I don't want to just say, like, she should, uh, she's terrible and write her off altogether just because of her one stance. And I don't even think it's a stance that I'm necessarily I think against. it was a move. It's it just like, just a yeah, move. it's a move that might be the smart political thing to do, but not necessarily the right moral thing, in my opinion. But right. like, but there again, she's also in a position of power. And that's like, that that can be all debated on whether or not what's the smartest move on that part. What I will say, though is that even if it's something like when you you touched on it's like whether or not we fully agree with her like if i think somebody's making a mistake it doesn't mean that i'm writing them off altogether because and we'll tie it back to wonder woman herself wonder woman diana is a stubborn person and she has to make split second decisions and she has to stick with those decisions sometimes to her own detriment and it shows like she is human when all said and done. And despite all of her amazing abilities, she is still fallible. So like, I don't expect anybody to be perfect and putting that on them would be unfair of me. So I have a question. Yes. Does Wonder Woman have a belly button? I'm sorry. Does Wonder Woman have a belly button? Every drawing I've seen of her does, yes. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't make sense. I'm gonna chalk it up. I'm gonna chalk it up to attention to detail. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, like, it would be kind of weird just seeing her come in like some Kyle XY situation. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I never even watched that show. Stop. I just remember like the whole advertisement Whoa. was he does doesn't have, have a, a belly, belly button. button. <laughs> like, like, wow, that's a, that's a show. Pictures, he was just like lifting yeah, up like, his shirt. Yeah, like, just like, hey, look bit. at my like, weird abs that have no at, belly button. Look at my Does this get supple. you moist? <laughs> <laughs> Are you ready for my no belly Stop. button gut? <laughs> there was also an episode of Charmed in which um, Paige... Almost gets it on with a golem who had been created. <laughs> to 
What is, is there just some niche kink I'm not privy to here where it's just like, hey, belly button, get rid of that. Right. If you're listening and you don't have a belly button, call me. <laughs> surgically remove my belly button. <laughs> One thing that I want to I also want to mention about Andrea Dr- Jenkins before we move on um, to your next Wonder Woman is Damn, you finished that fast. I am um, a thirsty individual. <laughs> um, I have another half bottle if you want me to get it. It's up to you. We'll 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 pace ourselves. Okay, okay. <laughs> Not like last time. Um, <laughs> um Andrea Jenkins was diagnosed with uh MS with okay. multiple sclerosis. I think in 2018. Oh, no. Yeah. So I think that also just like contributes to her power for me because there are days I'm sure where she does not have the energy to be who she is, but she is out there and she is fucking doing it. And that's something that people don't talk about enough is that when someone... Anybody, not just somebody in power, is living with something like MS or any other kind of disability. Like there is still so much about them and even things that stem from those disabilities that are just amazing and strong and beautiful and and put out great things into the world. So I think that for so many, so many reasons, people should really look to, you know, Andrea Jenkins for a model of like what can be and what you can do. Yes, absolutely. Just her with overcoming her disability and uh, just living with it, which is a drastic, drastic uh, statement. And it's a problem in the U.S. particularly because of our healthcare system and like how we just kind of treat people with disabilities like absolute shit. Ask me how I know. I have involuntary breakdancing sessions. (laughs) That's what I call my seizures. <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard you say that before. Oh, no. Well, you have now. <laughs> I have now. I have now. I've learned something new about you, which is wonderful. So my next Wonder Woman is Rosa Luxemburg. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I'm going to keep that one in. <laughs> I'm going to keep that one in. Oh my God. (laughs) Your face. (laughs) That was a beautiful moment. (laughs) I wouldn't trade that for anything. And I fucking fucking hate gas. (laughs) Oh my God. And yet we sit here every time drinking like fucking champagne or like Prosecco or just like, just... (laughs) I know. All I'm- carbonation <laughs> all the time. <laughs> so, <laughs> Rosa Luxemburg. <laughs> so, she was born in 1871 and died in 1919. She is a total fucking badass, or was a total fucking badass. Rest her, rest her anti-fascist soul. Oh, so- you mean she was part of Antifa? Yeah, she's one of those Antifa that like your peepaw is like holed up in his house under a blanket afraid of. <laughs> yeah, like they're coming to the Golden Corral. I got to Oh, God. They're going to take away the fried chicken. Jesus. <laughs> so she was born in Poland and eventually moved to Germany. And I'm not sure if you're familiar with, you know, a lot of like German history in the early 1900s why was there something wrong yeah something you know just something (laughs) happened at that point we just we don't like to talk about that so she played a key role in founding the polish social democratic party and also uh, establishing the german communist party Oh yes, she is a revolutionary bad bitch, <laughs> bad bitch. Like that, yeah. You have to yes. say it like that. You have to, yeah. So 
she developed her theory of humanitarianism and Marxism and stressing democracy and revolutionary mass action to achieve intersectional socialism in the late 1800s, early 1900s. So way ahead of her fucking time, way ahead of her fucking time. She wrote a book, which the translated title is The Accumulation of Capital, and it's an analysis of how she describes imperialism as the result of dynamic capitalism expansion into underdeveloped areas of the world. Does that sound familiar at all? Ouch. Oh. (laughs) Right? That hit me right in the flag. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so basically she's like this thought leader at the time and she emphasizes a lot of direct action and she really felt that in her heart of hearts that mass protest and mass strike was the best weapon workers had against their bosses and against capitalism as a whole. And she was kind of like pushed back against by some other Marxist thinkers. And she pushed back against others like her and Lenin have some, some words with each other, but ultimately she started a communist uprising in Germany So this isn't really talked about as much in history books and like prior to World War II. Well, and especially not in American history books because God forbid. God forbid we talk about anything communist. And so it was known as the Spartacus Revolution of 1919. And it was basically this uprising to try and establish a communist state in Germany. And it was very successful, believe it or not, for what it was. They managed to overtake like pretty much every capital building in Germany. They managed to hold it down. And the government at the time was struggling to take over or reclaim it. And this is, I think in our test episode, I kind of mentioned my hatred for Democrats and moderates as a whole. Yes. This is kind of like where this is an early example of where I feel like moderates are the true enemy of the left because they're the ones that ultimately caused her downfall. And okay. it was the the moderate Democrats of the, of Germany who like basically were like, hey, guys, you shouldn't be doing this. And then eventually the uh, Weiner or Weimar government decided to get like some fucking like militia groups that weren't even part of the fucking government. They're just like some assholes with guns that oh, just are super patriotic. My God, stop, stop, <laughs> stop, stop. I can't do this. <laughs> stop. There's a bunch of assholes in Germany who were super patriotic, had guns and decided to overthrow the overthrowing government. And eventually, unfortunately, she was arrested and murdered in Berlin on January 15th, 1919 by members of the Freikorps, which means... Oh, the Freikorps? Yeah. Okay, whatever. Whatever. A loose assemblage of conservative paramilitary group. And thus ends the tragic tale of Rosa Luxemburg, who, if her revolution was successful, would have stopped Hitler from even being a thing in the first place. But because the fucking conservatives and the fucking moderates in Germany at the time decided to go against her, well, we ended up with Hitler. So, you're welcome. Oh my god. (laughs) Sorry for my weird political wonder women. No, you know what? We both picked uh, Wonder Women uh, who hold positions of political power. 
because I don't think my second Wonder Woman will be a surprise to you at all. But is it Hermione Granger? No, please. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I was just like Harry Potter. What Harry Potter heritage do I know? <laughs> no, it's not Harry Potter. It's from the Magicians. <laughs> Honestly, I feel like I should have seen that coming. <laughs> Hi, King Margo. Long may you reign. Oh, you know, okay, I'm a communist for everybody except Hi, King Margo. <laughs> I love Margo Hansen from Magicians. So let me be very clear. I am not talking about Janet from the books. Tonally, they're completely different. Um, to me, the the Magician books versus the uh, sci-fi series. So I'm talking specifically about Margot and specifically Margot after she's already um, taken her place of power in Fillory. Fillory Clinton, as Quentin called her once. <laughs> right. <laughs> so the things that I really love about Margot, and I'm not really going to chronicle her character's story really because I'm sure there are people out there who are still going to want to watch Magicians. I will say that that show ended this year so catch up because I shouldn't have to be this polite but here we are. Wait there's another season I haven't seen? Yeah there's a season Fuck. that I haven't seen the last season either so we'll but, a- but acquire it. <laughs> we will acquire it but we actually um, me and Evan and you and Olivia we have plans to watch the final season together. So oh, just hell so you, yeah. I know it's going to be the hell best, yeah. the best series of double dates we've ever done. So the things that I love about Margot and why she is a Wonder Woman to me, first of all, she is sexually liberated and she get her fuck on. <laughs> exactly. And that is who I am. Like 100% like sex is such a big part of my personality and it's a big part of Margot's too. So already like I'm on board with this because she And maybe I'm disgusting sometimes, but when she talks about sex, she's not. And I just, I love that you can tell that she enjoys it and she enjoys who she is and she doesn't make apologies about that. And I think Mm -hmm. that's really important because so many women are told to oppress their sexuality regardless of what it is. Um, Much like my favorite real monarch, (laughs) she is fabulous, but flawed. She's very, very mean and manipulative. Like she's not, I wouldn't call her nice. She's not nice. I think she's great at what she does, but she's got flaws. She can be very self-centered and selfish at times. She can be very possessive of people, but she continues to move forward and work around her flaws. And sometimes she listens to what people have to say about her, but as we've already established, you don't have to love everything about a Wonder Woman to appreciate them for who they are. Mm-hmm. She gets elected. So she claims her crown as high queen. Um, but later on, when there's an election in Fillory, she gets elected and she chooses to be high king. Hell yeah. Yeah. She's that power boner. <laughs> exactly. She's like, fuck it. I don't need to be queen and be seen as a queen who everyone is waiting to get married because she's been called a virgin queen. She's been called, she's like, (laughs) right. (laughs) Right. She doesn't need that. And she does this after she meets the pirate king, who is also a woman who she is into because Margot is bisexual as fuck. And I mentioned on my episode with Olivia that I'm pansexual. So having a queer woman be a monarch, decide to be king, all of that wrapped up, that just like really kind of speaks to me. Pan group right here, you know, just you, myself, my wife. (laughs) The only one who's not in the pan crew is Evan. He's not invited to the pan club. No, he's not. (laughs) But you know what club he is invited to? What? The The pot pot club. (laughs) I I almost said the D club. (laughs) (laughs) That too. But another thing that I that I really appreciated about Margot and who she is, is that she is actually inflicted with two disabilities. And I say inflicted because there are things that happen to her that cause them. It's not something that she's born with and it's not 
a disease that she develops. The first one being that she loses an eye to the fairy queen. And then the second being lycanthropy, which she actually kind of does to herself because she fucks somebody who I was super thrilled that she fucked because I feel like Josh Hoberman is like on my level. But, <laughs> <laughs> but she gets like other people sexually transmitted to her. And so she has to live with that. She has to deal with the one eye thing for a while um, as she's ruling Fillory and trying to get through things. And she does that masterfully. When you mentioned Josh... Mm-hmm. I was just like, my head immediately went to the scene with him and Bacchus. Oh, and, yeah. And him just, just being like, don't drink that. Uh, I peed in the cup. <laughs> <laughs> just sorry. It, it, you'll get it if you watch the show. So Josh is actually like, I feel like of all the characters, like I really love Margot, but yeah. I think I think I'm a Josh. Like I think I'm way cooler than I am. I don't know. <laughs> I, I have a hard time remembering all the names of the characters. Like Margot is probably my favorite, just because you know, just the the most direct. Like her and Drifter guy, dude. Drifter guy, dude. Short hair, tall, dark, and handsome. Penny. 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 Right. Yeah, he he's really cool. Right. I, I like that. I like that. I said that I identify with Josh and I've actually predicted things that Elliot has said before they've come out of his mouth. I see. Here's oh, the thing about magicians. Yes. This is for adults who grew up in the Harry Potter generation because like there are all these very, um, I don't know. In Harry Potter, the characters aren't so complex, but in magicians, they kind of are because they're grown. And I think a lot of people will find someone on magicians that they identify with. Mm -hmm. And honestly, I hope a lot of people identify with Margot because Same. she's, I think she's the most real. Yeah. And like Elliot is main quote unquote main character dude. Right. Or is that that's Quentin. Okay. Qu okay. No, Elliot is the one with the dark hair and it's kind of moody. And no, like, that's, kinda... it's so interesting that you think, so Elliot is the kind of flamboyant, always wears a vest, throws the big parties. Margot's best friend. Yes. That's who I'm thinking of. Okay. Like he's got yeah. the dark hair kind of like, um, Quentin has, um, like chin length, dark hair, the one following around the blonde all the yes, time. Yes, yeah. yes. The one where he could do so much better. Yes. Well, I also think she could do better. Quentin and Alice deserve each other. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, like, Elliot is like Olivia's type. <laughs> okay. Like, she doesn't, she says she doesn't have a type, but she, when it comes to masculine presenting people, she has a fucking type. And it's like, <laughs> like, Elliot or like Adam Driver or like, okay. <laughs> like that is her type. Okay. So not me at all. Oh, sh <laughs> sh <laughs> um, <laughs> back to Marco. Sorry. We're no. just getting horny over here. <laughs> no, for real. <laughs> we should actually do like a thirst trap episode. <laughs> oh no. So here's this quote from Margot that I really think sums it up for women and all feminine people, honestly. She says about being high queen. Um, this is before she got elected high king. I choose to be. And I've had to fight for every shred of authority and no offense, but you can't Elliot understand because it was handed to you. And she says that to Elliot, who was literally handed High King of Fillory <laughs> from a magic fucking knife. Like, makes sense. You know, yeah. I, I think that's a good way of picking the High King. I. I mean, yeah, I mean, magic, <laughs> magic knife. Why not? Because it's not biased, but still it was handed to him. And I think every woman who's ever found herself in any kind of position of authority or any kind of position where she's the person in the room running the show, you have to fight for every shred that you have because people just don't take you as seriously. I agree. And I, it's a real shame that like, I do like the arc of her fighting to, have the power that she does mm -hmm. I think that it's a real shame that she didn't get the knife and then just immediately stab somebody saying knife to meet you <laughs> I, missed opportunity missed opportunity but I, at the same time I'm, I'm happy with the route that they, they uh, took 
So. Right. I am too. I also, the last thing I want to say about Margot <laughs> is that she flips the language of, you know, empowerment on its head. Yeah. Um, you know, people always say, you know, nut up or man up or whatever. For her, it's ovary up and don't cock out on me. Like, <laughs> I fucking love that shit. Evan was not so into it when we watched it, but I am here for it just because I don't think there should really be gendered language for anything, right. but it's a nice change of pace. It's good to hear. Yes. <laughs> it's yes. nice to hear. So I don't know. Margot, she's fictional. But she's my other Wonder Woman. So before we wrap up, I want to point out a couple things that are really interesting. We picked four women who are in positions of political power. Yes. Why do you think that is? Because political power ignites change more so than any other sort of thing. Like not to diminish anything else, but like being in a position of power is something that allows change in seeing women who fought tooth and nail to get where they are and inspired not just change, but positive change. That is a important, uh, important uh, thing to point out and identify with. Do you think that we missed any kind of mark by not picking like, say like, like, like maybe an athlete like Venus or Serena Williams or, you know, an author like Virginia Woolf or... I mean, maybe, yeah, I definitely do think we might have missed some of, like, the creative aspects. But, like, I I think in this moment, in 2020, what we need is revolutionaries, mm. and we picked revolutionaries. I think you're right. I have one more question for you. Why, why the fuck do your Wonder Women get murdered? <laughs> because... Any sort of left-wing push ends in murder of the person who is pushing for those left-wing changes. Okay. Just, just, you just, that was historically. Very literal, that's a very literal answer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just, just in historically speaking, that's just what happens. Right. We, we get murdered. Right. Well, here's hoping that in the future... Wonder Women don't get murdered. Um, if you are interested in learning more about the Wonder Women that we listed today or other Wonder Women, or maybe you want to tell me about the Wonder Women that you look up to, you can like Boobies, Bits, and Booty on Facebook. You can follow on Twitter, BBB Podcast 905. And of course, you can always follow on Instagram, Boobies, Bits, and Booty. Thank you so much for listening. This has been a wonderful evening with Lyra Gomez. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming. Um, this is Boobies, Bits, and Booty, an anthology of feminine conversations. We will catch you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye.